This is Minimalish. I'm your host, Desiree, and before we get started, let me be clear. This podcast isn't just about minimalism. It's a podcast about living fully. Over the past few years, I've learned that living with a little less in our homes and on our calendars leads to less cluttering up our minds, which simply helps give us the space to give our time and thoughts to the things that actually matter. So what do we talk about on here? We talk about minimalism and decluttering and how to get there, yes. But we also have conversations about pursuing intentionality in the things that matter, like our motherhood, faith, relationships, work, and mindset. Minimalish is a podcast for the women committed to contentment and loving the life in front of them, committed to living with a little less so they can create space for the things that matter most. What it's not about, how many spoons you should have, or any kind of rules or legalistic minimalism that promises you'll be happier if you just get rid of more stuff. Getting rid of stuff isn't what will make you happy. It's about the life you live with the new space you find. If that sounds good to you, grab a mug of whatever you like and stick around. I'm so grateful you're here. Hi friend, welcome back to the Minimalish Podcast. I'm excited to share this one with you today because I think it is so relevant to everyday life really, but it's relevant to the time that we've been going through in 2020. Let's just leave it at that. I think right now more than ever in this time where over the past few months we've been socially distanced from one another or we have just been dealing with a lot of maybe trauma or jobs that have been lost or people are dealing with a lot of anxiety right now. This is a time more than ever to care for one another and to build community. Now, I know what you might be thinking. Due to coronavirus, community is really hard to build right now, and that might be true. But I think it is about time that we, you know, just care for each other in whatever way we possibly can. If we haven't already been thinking of that over the past few months, it's time to really just think of our people, right? Check up on them. Um, If you can see them in a safe way, do it. But this episode is going to be, we're going to be approaching a topic that I think can help you do that if you do want to still stay social distance from one another. And that is, we're talking about feeding people. We're talking about hospitality in the form of bringing someone a meal, bringing someone you love, someone in your community who needs it, a meal. And there can be several reasons for that. Maybe someone just had a baby. Maybe there's been a death or some kind of sickness in the family. Or maybe it's just the fact that, you know, someone is a working mom and she still has to stay home with four kids while she's working because of coronavirus. And you can tell, you know, that's maybe this person I'm describing is similar to someone you are friends with or someone in your community, maybe maybe they're having a hard time with that because who wouldn't, right? Maybe that's you, but whatever. You know, providing someone with a dinner that can feed their family, maybe even a batch cooked dinner that could feed their family for a couple of days is a great way to care for someone, to show them you care and to just provide them with something essential and help them get through a hard thing whatever that hard thing might be. So if we can't share meals together across the table right now because of coronavirus and the need to social distance, maybe we can share meals with one another 
to help one another by dropping it on a friend or a neighbor's doorstep. So I won't talk much more on the subject because today I am talking to Janet Ausbach. She's the author of the cookbook, Extra Helping, and this cookbook is full of recipes for caring, connecting, and building community one dish at a time. I love the subtitle on the back of the book. It says, show up, be kind, and cook. And these recipes in here are delicious. They're recipes that you can make for your family and then make extra to take to someone. Just make it easy to show hospitality, to be kind to someone in your community, to show up for someone who needs it. So I think you're going to love this episode. I love Janet's perspective. I love all she has to say about food. And I love talking about food. Who doesn't? So let's just get to it. Because I think showing up for someone with food to help them get through their day is a great way to intentionally love on someone and build community. Today, I'm so excited to be covering a topic that I think is really important and that not that many people are talking about. We're going to talk about helping, serving people through food. So I've got Janet Ellsbach. So Janet, could you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do before we really dig in? Sure. Um, I wrote a book about food, but I'm not really a food professional. I came at it from the uh, position of a home cook. Um, I'm more identify as a writer and a teacher than as a food person. Um, And I live in Western Massachusetts in the Berkshires. I teach writing to uh, adults with disabilities and sometimes to high school students also and spend a lot of my free time with dogs. That's awesome. (laughs) Do you you have dogs or do you? I do. I have a few of my own and then I foster for a couple of rescues. So I get to spend time with lots of other dogs, which is really nice. And two of my dogs are trained as therapy dogs. So we spend time in different settings, um, just bringing comfort to people with their big, or actually in one case, very tiny um, little snoots. Oh, that's so fun. And I used to be an English teacher so I taught writing to eighth graders for a while. So oh, wow. I can relate, oh. relate with you on that. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so, I, go, ahead. go ahead. Nope. You go ahead. So we are going to really dig into, it sounds like really you nurture people in a lot of ways. You have therapy dogs and you help people in that way. But your book, Extra Helping, is about nurturing and building community through food. So can you tell me a little bit more about that, kind of why you wrote it, and how this idea of building community through food became a passion of yours? Sure. Um, I would say that, I often do say that food was kind of a love language in my house. As I was growing up, we were all very oriented around the table and cooking with friends and for friends and um, was really uh, inspired in a lot of ways by a good friend of my mom's who's, uh, you know, sort of our family grew up with, our family grew up with this other family. And whenever anything was happening, bad or good, you know, that taxed the family in any way or anyone that she knew, she would show up with a, a jar of kanji, which is a, a Chinese rice soup, which is just mm-hmm. about the simplest thing on earth to make. Um, and 
I, I was, that really just kind of always stuck with me. Like you always knew if something happened, if, if, the, if something hit the fan, Millie would appear with a jar of Conti. Um, and all of my love memories and all of my holiday memories and everything really centered around food and learning foods from different cultures and um, having lots and lots of people over to eat. And so it was, it's just a, a part of the human experience that I'm really comfortable with. And um, then a few years ago, well, I have three children, so I have, I've, I feel like that's a really a, a deep education in um, accepting help and um, <laughs> learn, learning who's around you and, you know, what, you know, what your community will be like. And then uh, a series of illnesses in my wider family, um, my, you know, my birth family and hardships there really brought home to me this idea of how valuable it is to have people show up for each other in this way. And I found, you know, as those things, having babies and having illnesses and losses and things were occurring in this community of families that we were now part of, it's, the, it's just struck me again and again that it's the most basic way to appear for people and to strengthen those bonds of community. And it's the most basic need, really. Um, if I always say, if you got through something, from the beginning to the end of it, whether it was an illness or a loss or a Wednesday, you must have eaten something. It's, a, it's just a really basic part of the human experience. You need food to sustain you. So when you're wondering how to be helpful or how to show up for people, it's a really natural place to start. Um, even if you don't have a super foodie background, you know that if they're human, they're going to need calories to get through whatever they're doing. And it's also a really easy place to drop your own personal ball. Like, when things get really difficult, it becomes really hard to just feed yourself well. So it's got a, it's, it's, it's a really, to me, it's just a, a natural place to begin when you're looking for a way to be of service to somebody. Yeah. And I just, I love anything that really is focused on building real face-to-face community because mm-hmm. in our current culture, we have gotten so far away from that and connecting often is happening over technology. (laughs) So just this idea that, that we can do this simple task, but also it shows such effort and love towards others. And it's also very helpful. So I want to know from your perspective, why this is important and why it's something that we should make time for. Because, you know, there are there, there are a lot of apps that will help us do this nowadays. I know when I had a baby a couple of years ago, um, a church I was going to at the time, they had something in place for people to sign up on, like Sign Up Genius or something like that, to be able to bring food. So why is this important, though? Like, why is it, if that would come to your email, like, you know, can you bring food to this family in the community? Like, why is this something that we should make time for? I'm just, it's my favorite kind of email. <laughs> I love getting that kind of email. Um, well, I think you touched on something that's really at the core of your question, which is that the way we live now, just sort of generally, is very technology-oriented, very kind of individual, you know, you to your screen. Um, and also in this country at this moment and in this moment in the, in the kind of globally, we're much more attuned to what separates us and divides us and isolates us than we are to what unites us. And there are these universal human experiences 
birth, illness, moving house, loss that um, could be really, I don't want to use the word unifying because you can still agree to disagree with, I mean, there's, there's just a, a panoply of opinion and position in the world. And I'm not suggesting that we should get to a place where that doesn't, that isn't true. But anytime that you can tap into, oh, that person is a human, <laughs> just like yeah. I'm a human. Um, it, it feels to me like it, it writes the balance. It, it, it um, strengthens the sort of web of connection um, that, you know, is, is, goes all around the world. Um, and the othering, um, there's so many forces contributing to that right now. And this is just such a basic, simple, accessible thing that we can tap into every day. Um, I, one of my favorite kind of mini meditations, like to ground myself if I feel like, like you know, everything's kind of getting out of whack and I'm, you know, overwhelmed by things. It's just to um, think about if I'm eating something, you know, just a carrot or a whatever, a piece of cheese, you can kind of, I can kind of drop into like, how did this get here? How did this get to my house? You know, somebody mm -hmm. planted it, somebody harvested it, somebody picked, you know, washed it and packaged it and, or milked the cow or, you know, there's, there is a, there's like a connected element to just about everything if you stop and kind of drop into it. Um, and that's why I think cooking for each other is just a really, it's just, it, there's so many opportunities within it to connect both to where our food comes from and how we're connected to the earth and how we're all connected to each other. And that, you know, there's just this unifying element that's available to me through food. Yeah, there really is. And the recipes in your book, they, I love that they are, I don't know, they just, they seem like they're comforting, they're warm, and, and you have recipes for different types of kind of experiences. And can you kind of explain a little bit about why you did that? Or even just like, what's your favorite recipe to make? Or what's your favorite, you know, food to bring someone who maybe like a couple different examples, if you want to, and just kind of talk about how you have different food for different situations. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? Like if yeah. someone had a new baby or if someone was, you know, going through a loss of a parent or something like that. Yeah, I think um, it can be hard to think of like one thing that's good in all situations. Again, I would go back to rice kanji because just basically really hard to find someone who can't eat what's in that and can't find some way to enjoy it. And it can be super mild and easy and you can add all kinds of things to it to make it into more of a like meal. Um, so that would be the one thing. It's also impossible to mess up. It is <laughs> the world's simplest food to prepare. So I definitely would zero in on that one. But the reason the book is structured in the way that you reference, like food for moving, food for having a baby, you know, that kind of thing. Um, that organizing idea, um, I think that was really a gift from a friend of mine when I was in the process, already in the process of writing a book. And it was having that sort of scattered feeling about like, how am I going to winnow down this huge like folder of ideas to something that's presentable in a book format. And she offered me that idea of like showing up in these particular situations, like what is it that makes a food seem right for this versus that? Um, I had a really, um, my sister showed up for us after, well, my sister showed up after each of my children were born, but I remember feeling really 
like riveted on the way that my um, middle sister showed up after my first baby was born and just seemed to know exactly what I was hungry for before <laughs> I knew and like appeared with it. And I'm always kind of trying to get back to that mojo moment. <laughs> like, how did she do that? And there's a writer, Lori Colwin, um, who writes a lot about knowing like just what to give to someone. And when I first came across her writing, I was like, oh my God, somebody's as geeky about this as me. This is amazing. Because I really like the idea of things that balance out a situation. Um, again, when my children were really little, I was um, lucky enough to meet this woman who's in, both an incredible cook and an, a gardener and herbalist. And she also had this kind of witchy um, way of just like, oh, what's good for this is this kind of yeah. instinct. And I love that idea. Like, um, you know, if you had, if you've had like a feverish drying out kind of illness, like what would be the antidote to that? Like what would ba restore balance in that situation? Or if you've had like, you know, a lot of upheaval, like either you've had like stomach flu upheaval or your house has moved and you just kind of need to be rooted and settled. What would help you in that kind of situation? And that is always the key for me when I'm trying to figure out what to bring someone is like, what, is, what are the like main qualities of this situation and what would help restore balance? Um, and then thinking of it in terms of those life situations, illness, loss, um, new, new baby, that kind of thing um, helped me organize. But really all, almost anything would do in almost any situation if, as long as you've kind of breathed into it a little bit like, oh yeah, look, you know, they've had this. So I think it would be, you know, even though this is in the chapter for, having a new baby, I think this is really relevant for this person who's recovering from an illness. Um, right. Just paying attention, just a little bit of attention, a little bit of curiosity always seems like it is a doorway that you can kind of widen and be like, oh, I know. Or, and also, the, I mean, the, the main ingredient is, is that curiosity is asking, what are you guys hungry for? You know, what have you had too much of? What, you know, what's your comfort food? What, what makes you feel happy? Um, you can always get good guidance there. The recipes are, I mean, I, I believe in them or they wouldn't be in the book, but the, it's really more just to give people a place to start. And and the best the best thing you can do is kind of ask, what, what are you looking for? What are you hungry for? Yeah. And I think, I mean, at least you, I love that idea of just restoring balance through in the small ways that we can, you know, mm -hmm. through food or, nurturing in that specific situation and it does feel a little bit complex just hearing it I'm not like I'm not the best cook there is <laughs> but I love that you've done so much of that work since this is a a gift and passion of yours that you've made this resource so that others can can do that without having to you know at least have a, a resource to start so yeah. I'm grateful for that because I do want to ask you um there are common excuses, I'm sure. I'm sure that maybe you've heard them since you put out a book about it. But mm -hmm. I know that things that have come up are just things that I think that, you know, sometimes in the back of my mind when I think I want to cook something for a party even, I will think about, okay, I would love to cook this one dish, but I'm not a good cook. Or I would love to bring something or try something new, but you know, I'm not that gifted in the kitchen or someone might feel like they're too busy to do this. So for this specific situation, when it is, you know, it is a great way to show up for people to bring food. What do you do with this excuse of 
you know, how, speaking to the excuse of I'm not good at this or I'm too busy for this. They're two totally yeah. different excuses. <laughs> well, I always think about this. I, I, I can't remember. I would think it was a lunch and I came with something. We were sort of a potluck thing. And this woman said, oh, I could never do what you do. The only thing I know how to make is brownies. And I thought, well, make brownies. <laughs> Be the person <laughs> who makes brownies. Like, yeah. you know, they're pretty much always useful. To, to someone, right. you know, even if they're not directly useful to the person you're cooking for. So if you have one thing that you do, just do that. That's great. Um, but I think there's, um, like, getting back to that idea we were talking about, like, what unifies us and what, like, helps break down sort of perceived barriers to connection. It's such a human thing to want to do something and to try to do something. And those things are really separate from the results. Like, even if you you know, you tried to make, I don't know, I'm trying to think of something that'd be sort of difficult, like homemade pasta or something like that. Like, you know, there's a, dozens of ways you can go wrong. But if you did that and it didn't come out like magazine ready and perfect, but you showed up with it for someone, you spent the whole day or whatever portion of the day you did spend on that, thinking about them and trying to make this thing. Like that is such a humanizing, connecting, like, beautiful idea that the result I, I would say just like don't be super attached to the result the effort and the just the um the willingness to to do that is is a really nutritive part of um whatever you try to do and you know pick something simple pick a single thing and just try that and if you know if it doesn't if it doesn't come out like you know ready for its close-up so be it it's you've still done something, you know, you still, you've still made the effort and you've, um, that can be the, what, the place where the person connects to it as much as how gorgeous it is or how, you know, exactly perfect it came out. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, we never, I've never received food and it might not be, you know, hundred percent the best food I've ever eaten. I've never thought to myself like, Oh, how dare that person bring me exactly. something. You know? Like that's the thing. Like, you know, that's a really valuable idea too, because I, I've spoken a lot and especially since the book came out about the really humbling ways that I've learned to receive help because I've been helpful. And I really thought this is kind of crazy, but I really thought that taught me how to be helped. And it, mm -hmm. there's related skill sets, but they're not the same. And so if you if you can drop into that for yourself, like, wow, when was the last time somebody brought me something to eat? And I was like, are you kidding? <laughs> You're bringing me that? You never feel that way. You feel like, oh, my gosh, that's so nice. Thank you. You know, and so remember that when you're offering help, too, like, um, it's very unlikely that the person is going to be like, get away from me with that. You know, they're they're much more likely to respond the way that you have like oh that was so nice thank you because yeah. it's that that ingredient that element of how how you thought of them and how, as you were doing all those things deciding to do it and sourcing the materials and putting it together and showing up with it at their house you can like you said you can use all kinds of technology now to send a meal to somebody and you they will be fed and it is kind and i'm totally for it and if you can bring it or send it, or like bring something you've made, it's, it's that much better because there's all this, like, you were thinking about them and holding them in your mind that whole time. 
that you were doing that. It's like the magic extra ingredient. Yeah, that's so true. And I mean, there, there's something to be said about even just, I don't know, I can remember being, because it wasn't that long ago, being postpartum and knowing that, okay, these people are going to show up to my door when I'm kind of in this cave and not, not seeing people because I just, it's the first child. I don't know what I'm doing. So I think that too is is something, there's just something about that, that there are people showing up to your door and, and caring for you, whoever they are. It doesn't have to necessarily be someone who is a best friend or, you know, your closest colleague, but just the fact that they are within your community and they're, they're showing up for you. Yeah. And I met so many people, not only when I was having babies, but, you know, getting, writing the book and working on the book and then being out with the book, there, there's no one more evangelical about the meal train than a woman who has been shown up for after she's had a baby. Like, because you said, especially with the first baby, it's such an isolating experience. You're like, what has happened to my life? And how will I ever do this? I don't have the skills. What, you know, why am I entrusted with this tiny being? And those meals that show up from other people who've been through that part of the process are really grounding and really helpful to be like, whoop, this community's out here waiting for you. You know, you're joining a group. You're not like going off orbiting, you know, another solar system. You're actually joining this community of people who are, you know, who have children and who've been where you've been. And and I met so many people who were like, I, you know, I lived in a different city when I had my first baby, but I just became committed, like wherever I was, if I knew someone had a baby, I would, I would be showing up for them with food. Um, because it's, there's a, this sort of cyclical human experience element to that. And that becomes true also, you know, as I'm getting older and moving through my life, I can see that illness and uh, all other kinds of upheaval are also have that quality of like, this is just part of the human experience. And so is answering the door with your unwashed hair and the milk all over your shirt and the spit up and the thing, you know, and having someone come in, if you know, if you had a loss and you haven't kept up with the mail or the cleaning or the dog walking or whatever, it's just part of the human experience and seeing each other not spit shined and ready for public consumption, but like in those kinds of moments, it's just, just, it's, it's very, it's humbling, but in, in, in a good way, like, oh yeah, we all go through that. Yeah, that's so true. And And it doesn't have to be food. I mean, obviously for me, it's food, but it doesn't have to be food. It's, again, it's just this idea of like, how do you find, how do you find the little opening that is the place that you connect the idea of connecting to this other person like it could be that you clean their gutters or you shovel their driveway or you do whatever um needs to be done yeah I love that you mentioned that because it is true that you know we all have different gifts and we all have different ways that we can serve one another and I think the most important thing is that it's not about what you are bringing to the table it's that you like have that space and make that space to actually do it. So I'm just curious because you said you have three kids of, I know this maybe has been something that's been a passion of yours for a long time. So, you know, maybe it's not some, an excuse that you have ever made, even though you may have been very busy, but I'm curious of just what, 
what would you say to someone that would say like, I just don't know, you know, I feel like in our culture, we are even like, sometimes we are afraid to to connect with people and we make that excuse of busy because of it. But also there is, I mean, there is a reality that a lot of people are busy, but what is, what do you say? Like, what are, what is your rebuttal or suggestion (laughs) to the idea of being too busy to help? Well, I mean, you've really, you've opened the, yeah. (laughs) Busyness is, you know, it's become this sort of cultural idea. Um, Yeah. And and also people are genuinely busy. And I think it's really important to find a way that you can at least begin that doesn't make you feel even more taxed. Because nobody really wants you to like heave up on their doorstep and be like, here, my God, I made you this, it killed me. And now I'm going to go home and have like, you know, cold cereal. My family's having cereal for dinner. Like you got to find a way to do it that feels spacious and possible because I feel like all of that kind of gets into the food and is part of that effort to restore balance. Like it's not really restoring balance. If you show up for a meal with someone, but you have to go home and like ice your head and, you know, right. it, It took so much out of you. So find a way to do it. That is, that feels, you feel capable around. Um, and it feels simple and it likely is not, it will start to grow from there. Um, but you know, back to the brownie lady, like if I had said to her, well, well, tough tuna, sweetheart, tomorrow you've got to show up with three course meal for this family that just had their third child. Um, I mean, she would have been paralyzed, but if you had said to her, okay, great. Well, there's a family on the other side of town that, you know, just moved houses. I'm sure they'd love a pan of brownies. Well, that's in her wheelhouse. She can do that because she's already said that's easy for her or, you know, possible for her. So find a thing that's like maybe smaller in scale than you imagine, but that feels really possible. And then it, you can often build from that point. And, and definitely don't start by scaling mountains. And, and if it isn't edible, if what, what comes easily to you isn't edible, then, then do that. But it's it's just reorienting yourself, like you said, around this idea of coming to the table. Um, not so much what you're showing up with, but that, that willingness to be like, oh, how could I be of use in this in this yeah. situation? Because it's so cyclical. It's all, you know, it's all going to come back around at some point. And that's what we're trying to do is build communities where we catch each other, um, mm-hmm. you know, which is why that education in receiving help was a really valuable part of my life experience. Like it's one thing, and we all have friends like that who will show up, or I hope everybody has friends like that who, you know, who show up, show up, show up, show up, but are very hard to show up for. Um, mm-hmm. And that doesn't have the same kind of feeling of balance to it. Like it, it, you're doing as much for the world when you learn how to accept it and receive it. Um, because it's, it's the other, you know, it's the mirror image of the thing that you're showing up to offer. Um, yeah, and and it's really changed the way that I show up to, to be forced by life circumstance to receive. Changes the way if you're open to it, uh, you know, it can really change the way you show up to other people. I hope you're enjoying today's episode, but I wanted to quickly take a break to thank today's sponsor. If you want to simplify meal planning, meal prep in general, Prep Dish is one of my favorite companies that help you out with this. 
PrepDish is a meal planning service that sends you an email with a meal plan, a grocery list, and a prep ahead instructions for that meal plan every single week. And all of your meals are planned out for you. They're completely ready for the week when you follow those prep instructions. You can even choose from gluten-free, paleo, and keto options. It makes eating healthy so much easier and the meals are also delicious. I've always been able to find a way to make the meals toddler approved. They're always husband approved. Um, my whole family loves them. And I personally love that there's no guesswork when it comes to mealtime each day with Prep Dish because as a mom, everyone, including myself, gets hangry at that time of day. It always seems like a busy time of day when I feel rushed. Last thing I wanna be thinking about is trying to make up a meal from scratch. So thanks to Prep Dish, meals are already planned out for me. I've already done a bulk of the prep earlier in the week. And if you're looking to cook healthier meals for your family, but you also want to simplify the whole thing, definitely check Prep Dish out. The best part is that Allison, the founder, is offering listeners of Minimalish a two-week free trial, so you've got nothing to lose. That's literally two weeks of meals planned out for you, grocery list, and prep included for free. Head to preptish.com slash minimalish to try it out. That's preptish.com slash minimalish to try it out. All right, let's get back to today's episode. Let's talk about kind of navigating communicating with someone because we were just chatting a little bit about the idea of struggling to receive help. So Mm -hmm. how, how do you communicate with, like, how do you navigate communicating with someone who would be going through, whether it's a birth or whether it's um, a death in the family that might have a hard time receiving help or either way, you know, there's just a lot of things going on during that time. So how do you navigate the communication part of this of actually reaching out to the person? I mean, I know there are all the online ways that we can sign up for lists, but even at that, you know, how do we work around dietary preferences or just know, you know, what that person might need? Yeah, I think, um, that's one place where I really am a big fan of technology because um, those online tools for organizing meal trains make it a lot easier for people to be very frank about, you know, my one kid's allergic to dairy and my other can't have whatever. Um, (laughs) Or it's much easier to tell that to a input form than it is to say it to another person because a lot of people are sort of hesitant to sound too fussy or, um, to, you know, oh, we're impossible to cook for, like, it, it just don't even, and those, those online tools make it a little bit easier to just input, like, allergies, preferences, you know, dietary thoughts, that kind of thing, um, and if you're the person who's organizing it for someone, I think, um, usually that's somebody who knows the people pretty well, and is able to say, look, just tell me the whole list, and I'll put it in there, and it'll be fine, um, but, um, Again, I always come back to curiosity, you know, that like making a little opening for someone to say what they're really hungry for um, or craving or need, you know, sometimes with particular, particularly with illness, there's like a, like a particular thing that is the thing that will help. Um, Those are a lot easier to type than they are to to tell the people. And also, if you have, are working with people who are reluctant to accept help or, you know, that, 
it's just it's somehow the human impact of it is minimized in a good way by being able to just put it out there and they don't have to say it a hundred times to people. Um, oh, I'm so sorry, but we don't eat this and we don't eat that and we're kosher and we, you know, if they only have to say it one time, that's hugely helpful, especially if they're going through something difficult. Um, so I, I really like technology for those kinds of things. And there's a bunch of different sites that you can do those things on pretty simply. Um, and, and just giving people an opening where there's, it's really okay to say, like, this is what we need. This is what is good for us. Um, it, that's a really valuable thing to offer. Um, and I always, you know, it, it's just such a two-sided thing because you're, by there, when, if you think about a situation where you have offered help and it, in it, to people who are stricken by something, positive or negative, you know, overwhelmed by something, either joy or grief or whatever, it's so satisfying. It's incredibly satisfying to have been able to offer something that was a was that moved the needle for them a little bit. And so anytime that you're hesitant to like put your actual need out there or put anyone out by, you know, asking them to do something, remember that. Remember that when you're the person offering, it is incredibly satisfying to have found the thing that they need and done it. And you're offering that opportunity to someone when you state a need and allow them to fill it. Um, it's not just that I'm a burden and, you know, I don't want to put people, you know, make more work for people. If you can remember like, oh, I actually, I remember that was, I, I, I so wanted to help. And when I finally found the thing that was helpful, it just felt so good. That's what you're offering to people when, when you let them help. So. Yeah. And I, I know I can often tend to feel like I don't want to burden people and I yeah. can just... I, I always remind myself that if I'm asking someone, you know, what they're hungry for or whatever it is, and I want to bring them something, when they're reluctant to say what it is, I still want to do it. You know, it's not like I'm, I, I think we get in our minds, like, if we do feel that way, if we do, if we do have a hard time accepting help, we get it in our minds, like, we're a burden to them, even yeah. though they've reached out. And if they've reached out, that means they want to help. They're not just doing it. Most right. people that I know aren't just doing it to, to look good for themselves. Yeah. And I think that, um, that, that idea, well, well, one of the things that's made a lot easier by technology is you can see if people do what they're in, those things are intended to capture, which is you put down what it is you're bringing. You can see like, Oh, I was going to bring them, you know, tuna casserole, but it looks to me like that'd be the seventh tuna casserole this week. <laughs> you know, you can adapt that way um, so that you know you're not repeating something. Um, I just had another idea based on what you said, and that's what happens when I start talking, and then, <laughs> <laughs> well, we're on this whole new section of the forest. <laughs> um, that, that idea of, you know, curiosity and leaving them an opening to say what they're really hungry for um, is, is really um, the the human possibility in those kinds of moments is pretty infinite. Um, if, if you can do that. Yeah. I just, oh, oh, I, that's, love... I know it. Oh, I found Go it. Ahead. I found it. Oh my God. I yeah. found a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, that humor, I think humor can be a big help in most situations, you know, applied judiciously. And also, so if you're able to say like, you know what, I'm going to make you dinner anyway. 
So you may as well tell me what you want. Because I'm yeah. going to, you know, it, that I think that oftentimes will give people a little bit more of an entryway or an on-ramp to be able to say, well, I know this is going to sound crazy, but I, you know, all I want right now is cucumbers. And then you can just fulfill that need. And it's just a beautiful thing because then they've gotten their cucumbers and you've gotten that feeling of like, I did the thing that was helpful. Um, so, yeah. you know, that's just sort of not like in an overbearing way or heavy handed way to like, I'm going to help you even if you don't want help, but look, I'm going to do this anyway. So let's just, um, why don't you just tell me what would, what you're really, you know, what would really be helpful. And that's true for food and that's true for, you know, errands and other, all the other myriad ways that people need help when something difficult or just burdensome is going on um, is to just make it seem almost like they're helping you because they are, you know, to say like, I'm in the, call them from the grocery store. I'm in the grocery store. Do you need toilet paper, cat litter, whatever, or, you know, make it sound like it's just so much part of what you're already doing that they're, they're not really putting you out in any kind of a way. Yeah. That's so good. And Okay, so I love most, I think my favorite thing that you said is just this idea of creating a community that where we catch each other. And I just feel like that is something that we could, like I get afraid sometimes that that's something that we could lose if if we continue in this tech-focused, you know, not necessarily just tech-focused, I don't want to put the blame on technology, but the way that we use technology as our main form of connection in so many ways. So I'm just so thankful that you've put this um, book into the world. And where can people find the book? Where can people find you? I know that you write in other places as well. So where are all those places where people can find more about what you do? Well, the the book was put out by Ruth. So it's available everywhere books are sold. Um, awesome. I always put in a little plug for independent booksellers when I say that. But mm-hmm. um, So it's pretty widely available. And I have a, a website uh, called A Raisin and a Porpoise, um, where I write uh, in an ongoing kind of way about whatever it is that we're currently eating and what I think about the world. Yeah. I love your website and your blog because there are, you know, most r- recipe blogs or most blogs that talk about food, they do have a story along with it, but just the way that you do it is so different and your stories and your writing is just beautiful. So I am fully recommending that everyone find you <laughs> over there. Um, well, I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, there was a lot of, there was a little pushback around having a cookbook that didn't have photographs in it. But I kind of like the idea of people not being so attached to outcome and sort of limited by that. But like, just make just make food food made by humans for other humans. You know, doesn't have to be so picture perfect. That's so true. And mine never ever turns out like what it would look <laughs> like in the cookbook, anyway. So, <laughs> um, what's I have to ask you? What is your favorite? I don't know if you can pick one, but. I know that the book is in sections, but regardless, what is your favorite recipe to make for someone? Oh, well, this is, just, this is going to be the kanji episode of your podcast. Um, <laughs> but I, 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 I always come back to that because it's, everyone has time to make it because it doesn't take very long to make. And it, it is 
you, you basically, it's basically the, the three things you're never supposed to do to rice. You use too much water, you cook it for too long, and you stir it a lot. Um, so you're basically intentionally messing up rice. And then when you're done, you have this lovely thing that you can adapt to almost any situation. You know, people are having the time of their lives and they just need help celebrating. You can layer on all kinds of spicy, delicious extra things. And if someone is just recovering, it can be just the plainest, simplest, most digestible. It's good for almost any dietary, you know, thing that somebody may be um, believing in and is endlessly adaptable. You can use different grains. You can use a combination of grains. So it's a great, it's just a great thing. And it's, you know, it sounds really exotic to people who have not grown up eating it, but it is in fact just rice and a, or some grain and a lot of water. Um, and even so, it is really delicious. So that's, and it, it answers all of those questions that you raised. Like, I don't know how to cook. I don't have time. I don't know the first thing about it's, well, this is just so easy. So I love things like that. And um, and I love the chapter at the end where it talks about taking care of yourself if you're in a caregiving role. Um, that idea of like giving yourself a little bit of a break or if you're showing up in a situation, um, being aware of the caregivers and their needs as much as uh, you are the person who's like sort of at the center of the situation. Um, I really like that chapter and that idea of because um, it really gets to that idea of we're all it's such a round robin like sometimes we're the helper and sometimes we're the helped and somebody takes care of this person so they can take care of that person and it kind of all goes around so I don't even know if that answered your question but yeah it absolutely did and I have never had I don't think I've ever had it I've definitely never made the rice kanji so I <laughs> I'm going to have to. <laughs> That's my. <laughs> you can use gonna, like but, any grain, any grain at all, and in any combination, and it always, always comes out really great. And if you have nothing but a little bit of tamari or soy sauce to sprinkle on the top of it, you're still going to be pretty happy. But like I said, you can add all kinds of gugas to it and make it fancier. That's that's awesome. Okay, so I have two questions that I ask every guest, and the first one is, what's something that you're simplifying right now? I would say the idea of rest and the need for rest. Like we spend so much time in our busy, busy lives, like arguing ourselves out of the idea that we're tired and we just want to lie down. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that that's a really um, basic, like just like food, it's just like a really basic human need. Um, and I like, I like the way it informs not just how I take care of myself, but like the ways that I show up for other people, like offering the space to do that. Um, it's a luxury to be able to just rest when you want to rest if your um, life circumstances are more difficult. So um, gearing your help to provide that for somebody else, um, I think it's really valuable. Yeah, I love, I love that. I, it's so needed and it's so neglected for so yeah. many of us. Um, and then the second question is, what is something that you can't stop talking about right now? Um, well, it probably comes as no surprise with the uh, way that I have outed myself as a dorky, geeky, sort of helpful person, but I'm completely <laughs> obsessed with Mr. Rogers and have been my entire life. That's and awesome. I just listened to a podcast called Finding Fred. Um, oh, yeah, really, I've seen that. Yeah, so good. So good. <laughs> I'm telling everybody to listen to that. It's just so good. I 
live in Pittsburgh, so Mr. Rogers oh, is yeah. <laughs> a huge part of my life. <laughs> my grandma, fun fact, my grandma dog sits for Mr. McFeely, like the actual oh, one. So. <laughs> that made my day. That is the most beautiful <laughs> fact. Thank you. I'll be thinking about that for the rest of the day. <laughs> You're welcome. But yeah, I've been kind of his house and everything. What so kind of he, Mr. McFeely have? So I don't know. I think he's had Mastiffs in the past, and I think he still has one. Yeah. Uh, like an English Mastiff. Thank so you. very That's big dog. little gem of the day. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. I hope that really encourages everyone else listening to. Sure, everyone wants to know that. But um, well, this has been such a fun conversation, and I'm so grateful we got to talk about this. I'm so grateful for your book, and I am just thankful you won, or thankful you agreed to come on and chat with me. Well, it's been a great experience and I really thank you for the platform and opening the door for all kinds of people to have their voices be heard. So thank you so much. I hope my conversation with Janet encouraged you to go ahead and make up one of your favorite recipes or grab her book, make a recipe from that and feed someone that you love. Bring someone a meal who's either going through a celebration, a happy time, but might be really busy, or going through a hard time, and might just need some extra help. We need each other now more than ever, as this year has been the way it's been. The crazy, crazy year it's been. So, love on your people. That's my encouragement for you today. Love on them with food, if that's for you. If there's something else that you do best, then love on them in that way instead. I'm so grateful that you listened in. If this episode encouraged you in any way, if you enjoyed it in any way, I'd love it. If you could share it with a friend or share it on social media, you could share it on Instagram and tag me. I'm super grateful for you for listening in and I will talk to you right back here again next week.